What's up, Amy? Thank you for uh, for joining us on our, our fine podcast, um, all the way from from the OC. Is that what the cool kids call it? The OC? Oh no, nobody here calls it that. That's that's a made up thing. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, yeah, Nashville's got its own things, right? Like where if if certain there's certain ways people can out themselves as you know not really really knowing what's going on here. Right, right. Yeah, but uh, but welcome and uh, Joe, always welcome. 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 You seem kind of low energy Welcome. today. What's going on, man? I don't know. I, I feel a little bit low energy. I'll be good. Don't worry. I got this coffee. I'm ready to rock. All right. <laughs> I was going to say that I have a friend who has a, uh, two nephews who grew up in Spain, and um, they are fascinated by American culture because his his brother, their father, is an American, obviously. Um, but the little Spanish kids, when that was a popular show, the OC was a popular show, oh, yeah. the, they would say... Uh, Uncle Todd, Teo Todd, Teo Todd, do you like the OC? And I think <laughs> the OC, it sounds pretty rad. <laughs> Is that with the, the Barcelona? You say it, yeah, you like say Castilian? it. That's right. Yeah. You say it with like the, the cool Spanish lisp and all of a sudden it's like, well, fuck, now it's a magical land. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I'm so glad that you're here and taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it because I know that your, your time is is pretty valuable, especially if it looks like you're at home. So um, I, I'm always at home. I work from home, so yeah. I'm very lucky. But you yeah. travel a lot, right? So, I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, Amy works uh, all angles at Fansided for, for – uh, for a while now and fan sided is kind of an interesting thing. And I want to talk to you about that too, because I'm sort of just getting to know it really through you, um, which it's a, it's a much broader project ultimately. Um, and right. then, uh, you know, but also like you clearly have a, a creative background in terms of, uh, you know, writing and photography and, and a lot of other uh, sort of uh, inroads to where you are now. So like without it yeah. being too sort of cliche, I mean, generally, um, if you're just trying to give your sort of like, okay, this is, I kind of, how'd you get started kind of thing, but I'm more interested in sort of like, how did you, uh, creatively build upon things to get to where you are? Well, I, I've always been in journalism. I've always been, um, in photography, like creative side of media. I was working for the day in LA and I really hated it. I hated the content they were putting out, but I learned a lot about media and how things worked. And um, while I was there, I met somebody who was interested in MMA and we would talk about MMA and I'd never seen a fight. And long story short, I finally saw my first fight and I fell in love with it. And I just kind of figured, you know, I don't like what I'm doing at Daily Mail, but I need to get paid. So I'll just do a little blog and kind of talk about me learning about the sport, you know, for the first time, I thought it would be interesting to hear um, from like day one kind of a thing, like how people fall in love with it. And I started watching documentaries. Um, I ended up meeting a fighter and he ended up living with me for a year. He taught me a lot about um, just like the rules and the weight classes. I remember every morning we'd get up and he'd be like, okay, what is 170 called? And what is this called? And what's, you know, all these like quizzing me on all these things. And, and then, um, pe I guess people just started liking my content and I got picked up by somebody, um, my champions, uh, just, oh, this and it just kind of went from there. And it, I've been lucky that everywhere I've gone, I've been able to kind of do a little bit of a creative take of MMA. I've never been like in that box of like, um, not that it's bad, but like MMA fighting and MMA junkie, they have their thing, they have their news. Um, but I've been able to kind of fun playing around with the sport. Yeah. Like. Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Joe, Joe is a, a writer by uh, trade as, as well as many other things too. So, um, hey, but, but why don't you write about MMA? Is that because it's, it's actually just something that needs to remain fun for you? Um, I have written about MMA in the past. I actually blogged for concede MMA. Do you remember that? They were oh, like a yeah. manufacturer. I think they, I don't think they actually had a promotion, but they were a brand in the MMA sphere. And, uh, I, and I wrote for their blog for a time and that was actually an interesting time because I was able to do, they were able to get me into, um, you know, like the, um, like conference calls and things like that. So I got to like actually ask questions of, ah. I think I got to talk to, um, who did I get to talk to? Just a few different people. Um, I, I can't remember. I asked a really stupid question to like somebody. <laughs> I can't remember, but, but, uh, but it was, but it was fun and it was kind of a neat thing. But, uh, but I mean, it's also very, it's very 
it's a very tiny, it's a very tiny thing. And there's a whole lot of people who would like to be doing that. Yeah. So it's fun to have that experience and to actually be sort of like, you know, getting paid a little bit of money to blog for this company and have the access that I was able to get. But, um, but once that was gone, it was sort of like, I, I just don't, I don't want to do it for free. And the people who want to do it for free, maybe the people who will eventually get paid for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine, Amy, like, um, you're, it seems like a lot of uh, people, uh, I know, uh, I was listening to um, Esther Lynn on a podcast recently, and she was talking about how much she, you know, worked for free. And I know that that's kind of, it's this weird thing, right? With with all creative work, you, you know, especially as you get older, it's not this esoteric choice anymore, right? Like, you just, like, and I know that you're, you're a parent, right? I mean, there's just certain yeah. things that are like, well, I got to get fucking paid, right? I mean, mm. I'm, I, you yeah. know, but, uh, but I, you know, I guess the people that come up in that little run uh, where it's like as the sport was building and, you know, I, I feel like there's just been this huge first wave, uh, but it seems like that you've been on that for, for a while. It's been, it's been interesting to sort of uh, observe. And as far as like you being a, uh, a writer and your journalism experience, how much has that has been sort of pure, like sort of, detours maybe in creative writing or uh expository writing versus like um you know uh you know sort of journalism as a discipline well i'm a writer to be honest i wanted to just do photography yeah and um i was finding that when i first 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 started on mma um i was sending my photos out like free because i just wanted exposure and practice and i wanted someone to see them and um a magazine in the UK picked them up and said, yeah, we'll take them, of course. And um, they wanted something that they wanted content. So I started to go with my images and that's kind of how it worked out for me. So I never really wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a photojournalist. Yeah. Uh, and then now, now that I write more, I actually really would love, I'm working on a novel that's completely unrelated to MMA. Ah, um, see. So I would love to do creative writing. So I feel like I write a little bit of everything and I, I have all these ideas of things I want to write. Um, but yeah, I never really wanted to be a writer. That was never my thing. Interesting. Where, uh, where'd you go to photojournalism school at? I went to the art institutes oh, okay. uh, and I do not recommend them. <laughs> <laughs> they cost money, right? Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a scam school. I kind of, I kind of had a sense of that. Um, I didn't even know that those things were still around. I thought that was, it was like, that was like a weird thing where when I was like in high school, like in the eighties and you know, like people, it seemed like a very eighties, early nineties thing to do, to go to the art institute. But that's just because people mm. only had whatever clippings they could find in a magazine to decide what the hell they were doing with their life before the internet. Uh, yeah. They, they <laughs> can get online and see like 10,000 reviews of people like Amy going, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. one of the best things I think about. Like the, like, you know, you can talk about all the, the pluses and minuses of, like the internet culture when it comes to, you know, consumerism and whatnot. But I really do love a good, a good, healthy, <laughs> you know, quotient of, of customer reviews on something telling me all these people literally bought this thing and they thought it was great. Right. <laughs> like, like finally, finally strong opinions can be functional and helpful. Right. Exactly. Just the breaking one place people down. on the internet where yeah. opinions matter and we need them. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so Art Institute, uh, you, so you did that and then, um, and then you, uh, after that, you know, you're you're going through the the whatever the psychological unpacking of I just gave a bunch of my life and resources to the Art Institute, and then now, what happens? Um, I went for a really long time without a job, and I nice. applied everywhere I could think of. Yeah, nice. And um, and I was like I said, I was applying for photography work, and I answered an ad for the Daily Mail, and I'd never heard of the Daily Mail. Oh goodness. And I went for an interview and. She hired me. I remember her name was Cherry. She was she's great. I love her. <laughs> and I worked there for a really long time and I learned so much from them. I you know, at the company, the quality of stuff that comes out is not the best, but sure. I learned a lot about, you know, how the industry works and that sort of thing. And and I remember her telling me too, she said, Oh, I never even knew what the Art Institute was. And I later learned that I think a lot of the people were turning me down for jobs because I had said that I was from the Art Institute. And if wow. I had just said I had whatsoever because I ended up going on and working at um, the Hollywood Reporter which is a lot more entertainment 
um, outlet and they said the same thing. They're like, if you had, if you didn't have the experience, we would have just said no, because the, the college was like nothing to them. Wow. So this yeah. is so the so far this podcast has been a sweeping indictment <laughs> of the Art Institute. <laughs> championed by It's a real Amy wheel Kaplan. kick to the Art Institute this week yes. on the Art Fight Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's cool. And you know, it's like in the same way you're talking about it, Joe, and then sort of in the same way you're talking about sort of getting started. I had my little taste uh where I was uh a smaller promotion called the XFC. Do you remember the XFC? Well, it was before my time, but I do have heard of it, yeah. Because, yeah. like I said, I, 2014 is when I started watching. And oh, that's so amazing, right? So, so yeah, XFC mm. uh, you know, did some shows in Nashville, and so I just contacted them randomly. Said, I'll come and shoot for free. I just want access. And I was like, how can I be... Like they've already got people taking the the regimen of norm normal pictures that you need to depict what happened and try to capture the <laughs> moments and all that kind of standard fare. So I just said, you know, look... I, I tried to play to my strengths anyway, which is I'm not like a sort of sports photographer. That's a whole art form and discipline and equipment and all of that unto right. itself, right? I mean, you got to have fast lenses. You got to have a bunch of different stuff going on. I I came in there with like a like a Leica, <laughs> you know. I was like, I'm just gonna take like sort of artistic shots, man. Um, yeah. And the. Uh, one thing that I saw, though, that was such a powerful... Well, wait, so are, you, are oh. you actually working for someone, or you just got to be there and do have the access? I just said, I'll give you all the pictures. Oh, if, and... you, let me, if you let me take the photos, I'll give you the photos. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. That's a good trade. So, <laughs> right? I mean, it was awesome, you know. And I was like, oh, I have an assistant, and I got my wife to come, and like she could just oh, yeah. sit there. You yeah, know, carry your bag. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so she enjoyed uh, watching me, like try to pretend like I knew because there's all this weird stuff that goes on that I'm sure. Oh yeah. Like I didn't realize how hectic the just around the cage environment is. It, like I, I had been to shows, but I just wasn't paying attention. Uh, but right. when you're actually there, Holy shit, man, there's like, you have so many people that you can either injure or piss off or they can fall over you or cables or, mm -hmm. and it's this weird choreography. You have to be so aware. And it's a strange thing I noticed right away because you're trying to be in, in sort of viewfinder and capturing something. And you've got a lot of tricky details to manage, but at the same time, there's literally like people trying to, uh, you know, because as soon as something like the bell, the bell rings and it's like, oh shit! Like you know, you kind of forget. Yeah. yeah. So like, had had was that an interesting sort of process for you as it was for me clunking around as an amateur? Yes, I mean, I did this. I did the exact same thing where I, I, you know, what I did. I actually I went to the state athletic commission's website and I pulled up their calendar and I literally emailed every single promotion and said, "Do you need a free photographer?" <laughs> So that's exactly what it was. I just wanted to practice. I wanted to meet the fighters, you know, make connections, get interviews, do portraits, anything I could do, you know? Yep. Um, I did that every weekend I would go and I never got paid. I just did it for fun, for mm. experience. Um, yeah. Same thing. I, there were times where like, I would have to be squeezed between like a table. Like I would have to stand sideways, but shoot this way. Yeah. Totally natural. Yeah, it was <laughs> And I learned, you know, you get there early so you can claim your spot first. You'd be the first one there. If you set your stuff down, then some, they'll go around you. You know, it's sort of like one of those, if you look important, they won't mess with you. Yeah. That's one thing I learned pretty pretty quick. It is true. I, I did notice some of that, even at this uh, smaller show. But one of the other things I was going to say, too, is that, um, and also I had heard, you know, Esther Lynn recently talk about this, where, you know, she was just talking about how she's just a, a very empathetic person, as I know you are, too. Like, you're, you're a... It doesn't take much of a follow on Twitter to figure out like that you're a human being with you know yeah. a, a full spectrum of uh, uh, feelings and thoughts and experiences, right? Like you're, and I appreciate that about you, and I want to get into that more. But, but I guess what I'm saying is like uh, she was talking about how just these moments are so heavy that it's it's impossible not to get caught up in it. Um, and I had a even in my brief eclipse uh, in my time, I saw uh, when Nick Newell won his belt. Uh, in the XFC, his first championship, and you know here is like the family and everybody, and just the crowd being behind you know a congenital amputee to win this fight against a, a good UFC veteran. Uh, and it's so funny because I I saw the um, the rerun or whatever on uh, Access TV or whatever, and 
I see myself cage side as because every time they always show the same highlight, the same finish, and I'm right there in the background, and you see me just fully abandon the camera, like forget the shot, like I'm just like wow, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did. I got some cool shots, but it was like it was so impossible to stay tethered into that role. So I'm always interested to talk to to people like you that have done so much of this, like uh, even like. Uh, the quintet thing and all that like you just you're sort of into these different worlds i'm very interested to see like how do you manage the um the 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 physical and the and the sort of situational art of photography in that environment well i know that it's really hard for me to um photograph when somebody loses Mm -hmm. like you know you want to you want to get that image of them crying or them you know with their head down or you know being consoled or whatever but because it's the shot you know but at the same time uh, you don't want to be intrusive in that moment. Um, and it's really hard, especially cause I've gotten to know so many fighters to like, for it to be somebody I know. And, um, you know, for a, a while there, I was shooting for LFA. Uh, I was their official photographer for a while. And so a lot of those guys I got to know and I would have to come into the octagon after and take their picture and take, you know, the hand raising or whatever. And, and I realized that as long as I kept my camera over my face, they yeah. couldn't see my emotion. Uh, yeah. So I felt safe and I felt like the moment I dropped my camera, that's when they would be able to, you know, I'd cry. I'd be obvious. And so I always kept my camera up and I think it helped me because I just kept shooting, uh, yeah. you know, and it felt like a separation with like people sometimes ask me, um, about like seeing the violence and, it feels like I'm separate from it when I'm shooting it. If I take my camera down and I just watch it, it's hard for me. So I don't actually like to sit cage side when I'm not shooting. Um, I like to be in the back watching on the TVs because it just feels like it doesn't feel as real, you know, mm. when I'm watching it through a lens. Yeah. Um, as far as like the, the mediated spectacle, right? I mean, it's, I wonder, I think a lot of people would probably, um, be a little bit more lukewarm about the whole thing, right? If you're that close to it all the time. And I don't think it's something that you can get used to because no. it's as primordial as it is of consideration to fight. It's also as primordial equally of a consideration to sort of empathize with those that are in that situation and getting hurt or whatever. Uh, gosh, like, you know, Overeem's face splitting. Like, I'm glad I wasn't no. like anywhere near that. There's also like the whole thing of like the vibe of like a fight crowd. I mean, it's not like going to a live fight isn't like going to a live basketball game or going to a live football game. It's a whole, it's a whole other, uh, there's no other sports feeling like a fight night, you know, if you're actually live at one. So I think there's a super intensity there that I don't know. I mean, I think different promotions try to, they try to present that for the home viewer, but there's really not, there's not a whole lot you can do, especially no. under the Reebok agreement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like make it even harder. Just take away all the options. Yeah. Uh, Totalitarian regime. I'd like to see a lot more uh, costumes and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the night, there's just something, there's a sort of a, the energy that you get like at your at your college football game it's like a lot more intense than that usually at a, right. at a fight situation just because the you're you're rooting for one person to beat up another person yeah. and the other guy's rooting for someone they can't keep walking or yeah. something you know it's so i think it's like it's just a it's the nature of the contest, you know, translates to the frenzy of the audience <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah uh you know but you get you get to have also you do on camera work as well you know you're not a, immune to that like it seems like you kind of do a little bit of everything uh, yeah and uh, I, by the way I really enjoyed your uh, your recent uh, time with Rampage I, I, thank you <laughs> that's got to be just like going to the candy store to to hang with Rampage and, and do whatever happens well there's a, it's funny because I don't like doing on camera stuff mm. um, I'm trying to push myself to do things I don't like. Um, like I don't like asking questions at press conferences and I just did that. Yes, you did. But, um, the rampage one, he was about an hour late. And so we were all kind of around waiting for him going, Oh my God, what kind of mood is he going to be when he gets here? And, and I just kept telling him, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous over and over. I mean, I over, I overthought every moment. I was like, he's going to be late. He's late. So he's going to be mad and he's not going to want to talk to me. And, and I said, well, I'm first. So he's going to not like my questions when I'm asking, you know, I just overthought everything. And then the first question, or I started to talk and he made a joke and I went, okay, that's what this is going to be then. So I just gave up all my questions and I just chatted with him. 
and it was fun and I'm excited to do it again. Yeah. I mean, that was like, did you, I mean, did you see that piece at all, by the way? No, you didn't. Mm-mm. So like, it's just funny cause people are clamoring around and rampage is like, you know, and she's just, Amy, you're just sitting there like almost like a, I don't know, like a, like a big sister or something to him, you know, like yeah. let, let them, yeah, like let the boys be boys and whatever this is. Okay. Everybody. All right. All right. The hijinks, yeah. you know, um, it was really great. Is he our greatest uh, Tennessee um, uh, MMA uh, fighter? Um, well, Michael Chandler. Oh, that's well, is he is he from here? Okay, though? that's true. Because Rampage, I mean, is, Rampage from, is from Memphis, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So that's a bit different. Yeah, so, Michael Chandler definitely in the running. If we're going to say <laughs> if we just, if we're going to include anybody who gets across the state line, we don't know. We have a, quite a good selection. <laughs> as far as Tennessee, it's either Rampage or yeah. Michael Chandler, right? Uh, there's maybe, no in between. Maybe Mike Perry will come to town. No, but like Luke Sanders, I think <laughs> yeah. Luke Sanders trained out of here at least for a while. I think, he's, of course, yeah, yeah, he might be in Hollywood or something yeah. by now. I don't know, but uh, um, but yeah. So like in terms of the, I like I like this idea of. Um, charging ahead at things that you're uncomfortable with or because when you say you don't like it I think what you're really saying is I'm not comfortable with it because if you were comfortable with it you would probably it may not be the thing that you love to do but you would probably like to do it right Right. yeah yeah and and, you know honestly I I have the same uh, very much the problem I I find that a lot of people that are behind the camera type of people um, uh, are the people that don't like to be photographed uh, the most, but are the best at photographing other people. And I think, I wonder if that's like about just being sort of natively an observer type of person. It clearly it also has to do with like sort of vanity and perceived self and all that, you know, uh, the static of your own ridicule of yourself. Um, Joe, you don't have that problem. Cause you're just like, <laughs> yeah. When you're like, when you look like this, right. Like it angles matter, you know? And, uh, you know, but uh, but I guess I'm just curious for, for you. I mean, like I, I was afraid of heights. I went skydiving, right? I, I love this whole thing of like jump right into the thing that freaks you out the most. It may work or it may not, but as an ethos, I think that's really cool. How's that been for you as far as like getting through the uh, – where are you in your on-camera journey? <laughs> well, I've only done two interviews on camera. Yeah. So page was the second. The first was Brian Ortega, and it was – in the parking lot at 2.41, I believe. And um, my eyes started watering mid-interview mid and I was trying to keep them from watering and I guess I didn't blink because as soon as we were done, he goes, Amy, blink next time. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope they didn't see that on camera. Um, but the questions at the press conference, like I'm getting better at, I just get, you know, a little bit each time I'm improving, um, hopefully. But I just, I, it's fun. Every time I do it, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. So I, you know, there's nothing where I'm like, okay, I'm glad I, I you know, I'm never going to do that again. It's it's definitely been like, okay, now I can do it. Now next time I'm going to do it longer or do it bigger, you know. Yeah. It's cool to have something that shows promise and, and you know you want to work on and it's not so horrifying that it's keeping you away. Uh, so that's, right. that's really cool. I mean, and. You know, the the whole on-camera thing, I mean, there's different modalities of that too, right? I mean, some people are more personalities or you have everything from like sort of whatever, Laura Senko to the schmo, right? Like you have right. like a wide array. I, I don't think you should do the schmo angle. Uh, just yeah, for, for I could not pull it off. <laughs> I think it's, you know, I think it, one thing I think is, is I think this whole thing that, you know, that you're trying all these things. I mean, I think it's also emblematic of how the whole uh, like landscape has sort of shifted once uh, ESPN came on board and started doing more coverage and things like that. And the athletic happened. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's been really interesting to see new voices pop up or to see people who were already there suddenly take on other roles and evolve, you know, in one way or another. So it's, it's, it's really, it's been the sort of uh, like the, the, the good side of all that sort of mix up and, and losing shows that I loved and getting new shows that I love and things like that. It's, it's think the upside of it is that at this point now, after things have sort of started to settle in, you do see all these people who are sort of like coming out from behind the camera or jumping into this whole other idea or came up with this brand new idea for a show or whatever. So it's, it's been a creative time, which is a good response. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like, fans have welcomed it too i was worried that they'd be like why why are you on camera you know like we don't need to see you we don't need to hear you but they're like oh we want more and i'm like oh okay 
So that was nice. I, I, part of my fear was like, how, how was I going to be perceived? Yeah, of course. Well, obviously, you know, uh, as a white male, I don't have many of the concerns that, that, uh, that you have getting in front of a camera. I'm not being weighed on a whole different, uh, sort of set of criteria, um, or less of that. Right. I mean, so, uh, as a voice mm-hmm. in sort of a, a, a sport that I think women are making their way in, but it's still obviously, you know, just like the culture, right? There's a lot of things that need to st- st- evolve. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's even numb nuts like me. I, I still say things or think things all the time that are like uh, not as perhaps evolved as they should be. Or, you know, I'm in my late 40s, man. So, like, it's weird, <laughs> it's, it's weird for me to, it, you, you know, people will see it's really hard to kind of shift your brain to, to calculate, you know, uh, gender pronouns and you know, all these things that are kind of like, it's not as much of like a emotional problem or like a, an awareness as much as like a, just a cognitive. It's, I don't think people really appreciate or understand uh, as much as it's important to kind of get these things moving forward, it's it's a really hard. It's like I've never run before, and then everybody just needs to get up and sprint and do a marathon as a culture, and then people totally. are just <laughs> Achilles are busting everywhere, you know. So yeah. it's like it, it's a weird it's a weird thing. But I but I know that um I'm sure that that's something that's been on on your mind, and I hope that uh, uh hopefully your your appearances and things that you've done so far have been encouraging and and not loaded with whatever garbage that obviously women have to deal with that men don't. Right. I mean, it's been, it's been a mix. There's definitely been comments and things. Um, most of the time I just kind of blow them off. I'm like, ah, eh, whatever, who cares, yeah. you know? Um, and it's going to happen no matter what for the, until the end of time, you know, it's going to happen. Um, I just like that they're watching, you know, yeah. like I started, I started now when people tweet things to me that are mean, I just say, thanks for your support. Because like, even if they tweet me, it just bumps things up. You comment on things, it bumps it up. Like, yeah. Eat. That's you know, true. I don't care. Yeah. My algorithm up, you know, so it doesn't <laughs> bother me anymore. Every now and again, something will, if it hits me where I'm like something else and that comes along at that time, then it, they, you know, whenever I'm mad on it online, it's almost never it is that I'm commenting on. It's usually like something else has happened and they just push the button at the wrong time. So I think we're, we all yeah. go through that. You know, I, I like that. The idea of just sort of letting go of this notion of approval and disapproval and how that would affect you or your perception of yourself and what you're doing. And just really think of it as like, thanks for the little sort of uh, whatever, you know, little little crumb of energy that just goes towards my pile. Ultimately, like whether right. it's hate or not. Mm-hmm. Is that what you do, Joe? That's what I do. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> you, get so, you get so much hate. No, uh, I don't. When I whenever I've gotten, you know. I mean, like you've said, I mean, I, I've done a ton of writing online. And if you've done any amount of writing online, you've gotten comments online. And like my whole thing has always just been like, almost always, I just literally just leave it totally alone. I don't delete it. I don't comment on it. I don't reply to it. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, you've probably found that when you do that, other people pile on for you anyway. So it's like, yeah, let them fight fight it for me or whatever. Yeah, and or, and or you know, it's just, it's, it's almost always just... You know, a, a, a stupid thing somebody's trying to say or, a, or a, a, a misunderstanding that you don't have the time to clarify. You know what I mean? So I don't, you know, I just not, it's not really usually worth it to engage too much, you know. But I can see, though, I mean, if you're just, I can see the way people can get pulled into things. But I wanted mm-hmm. to say really quick before before we move on too far, I wanted to say that this whole conversation we're having right now is reminding me of when we had Fernanda on last week and I was saying how uh, I think when you um, uh, have a sport that's evolving the way MMA is evolving and a big part of that evolution is the, the, the even more interesting evolution of women's uh, MMA inside of the MMA sphere, it, right. it only makes sense that there should be a corresponding evolution to the role of women in the coverage of the sport, in the writing of the sport, in the production of the the films and videos about the sport and all these things, the podcasts, all that stuff. So to me, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the fact that you've been able to find, you know, a space for yourself in these other roles as well and find that it's being accepted. That's, that's a good sign to me of that people 
understand like what's actually happening in the sport because mm. I think anybody who's like still like upset that girls are fighting or something is yeah. like man we got <laughs> we got we got to roll this whole thing back yeah. you know what I mean so uh, anyway yeah so I, I love the fact too that it ultimately. Uh, the whole sort of argument that you see in other sports with women, you know, well, the basketball, okay, not as competitive or whatever, not as um, uh, highlight reel, uh, aerobatics Versus or whatever. Versus the men's version, right? Yeah, but yeah. I love how like in the in the most sort of distilled combat sport, um, you know, arena that that two women fighting comes down to actually being the most exciting, more exciting a lot of times than men. Uh, I would yeah. say more often, you know, like there's no way that people can watch women fight and think it's kind of like, oh, it's nice that they allow them to do that too. I'm sure that's right. a feel good for them. You know, like, no, this shit is yeah. like, oh my yeah. God. That's like, how the hardy how it feels. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Who's a badass, by the way. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so in, in terms of like your, you know, you said you, obviously you build a lot of relationships with, with fighters, uh, you know, by proximity and just life in general. Um, have you found that to be something that kind of works for you because you kind of have to, in your role, sort of have a baseline or a network, or I don't know how to explain like some sort of community around yeah. it, or is it something where it actually is a challenge because perhaps it's like, uh, objectivity and other things, not because you're dealing with they're reporting on those specific fighters all the time, but just as the, whatever, and you sort of trying to found your sort of median about how you approach everything. Is that a, a challenge or an issue? It can be. Uh, I, I find it mostly positive though. I do find that I get a lot of um, interviews like, like let's say I have, you know, not directly the person, but let's say I have a friend who's a fighter and he trains. So, and I can say, oh, can you connect me with so-and-so? And that's kind of how I use it to my advantage. Because then they trust me. They know me. They say, I've got this friend. And then the person trusts them. Or um, oftentimes I'll have friends, even now, um, just last week, a Bellator fighter, who's a good friend, was like, hey, I'm, you know, I need some photos of me training. You mind coming in for like 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. I came into the gym and he, he trains at a big gym. So there's going to be tons of fighters there. So now they know my face. They know I'm trustworthy. They see that yeah. this person trusts me in their fight camp. So they're more willing to trust me. They need something. And that's, that's really what it is, is trust is the fighter need to trust me that, um, you know, that I'm not going to take advantage of them. I'm not going to exploit them. I'm not, you know, if they want to talk, they, you know, if they, you know, sometimes there's things they talk about that just, you know, spew it all. So they go to somebody they trust that they can, they can talk to on a a level that's less intimidating. Mm. Um, I think that's worked for me. Um, and then if there's times where I feel like I can't be partial, like I'm very good friends with Chris Cyborg. Um, when she fought Amanda Nunez, I knew like, I cannot be reporting on this fight at all. I cannot be doing a recap. Mm. I can't be doing a reaction. I can't do anything because I'm, I'm not, you know, I have emotions in this fight, but even before it happened, I had emotions in that fight. Yeah. So that's the good thing with me being an editor. I can assign it to somebody else. So, you know, you go do it. You do, you know, you do your take on it whatever your take is, I'm fine. I'm not going to be like, you got to write positive about cyborg, nothing like that. Um, <laughs> you, know, but yeah, I, you write whatever you want, edit, edit, edit. Yeah, edit, edit yeah. <laughs> um, so I just, you know, I, I she try to won. make sure that I'm honest with myself when I can't be, yeah. you know, be on it. You know, when I, I know that I'm not going to be able to write this piece, I'm just honest with myself. I don't try. And yeah, you know, so, uh, and help us understand sort of the world of fan sided and and your spot in it because obviously you're doing you've already talked about it editing photography on camera um, a lot of things and then uh, you know fan sided uh, covers a lot more than than MMA and then also as as a particular perspective uh, that I think is it seems to be sort of a bit mission driven by the idea of sort of uh, reflecting fan perspectives uh, right. perhaps in a sort of curated or sort of more authentic and clean kind of way as opposed to uh, the whatever forums that people are arguing in or whatever right yeah. so uh, you know people actually I, I loved all the sort of the, the kind of the ephemeral pieces right where it's like you know what does this mean to you like my you know whatever you know the family like my grandfather you know uh, 
right. getting those narratives because we're, we're so focused on the 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 plethora of narratives in the sport and the players and the surrounds and all of those components. But I love the idea of turning that around and and really uh, extrapolating and and reflecting uh, the the thoughts of of fans and and what they're feeling and and what things mean to them because it's, it really runs. Uh, deep for people. Uh, I mean, Joe's from Michigan, so he's got that weird, uh, insane uh, Detroit gene, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like you guys are, you're, you, Michigan people are intense. Michigan people are intense. My next one is the Michigan person. We don't know we're intense. <laughs> it's like, what are you exactly. talking about? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah. so, so how does that, like, tell us about Fansided and, and what's different and, and what all you're doing over there. So Fansided is definitely um, trying to be more of a conversation site. So we want to, you know, we don't want, we don't do as much news. Of course we do some news, but, you know, let's say MMA Junkie, you know, posts about a fight. We're not going to post about that fight too, because what's the point, you yeah. know? Yeah, we can get some clicks, but why? Let's do something different. So our motto is kind of move the conversation forward. So we're always trying to figure out a way to um, add to the conversation. So let's say this fight announcement comes out. We're going to write about why is this fight important? We're not just going to say so-and-so, so-and-so at this date, you know, this is their record. We want to say what happens if this person wins? What happens if this person wins? What's next for the division? What does this mean? Why did this, why did maybe, why did somebody else get snubbed instead? You know, we want to, really talk about the thought and the meaning behind things. So same with um, somebody gets cut from a promotion. We're not going to just report so-and-so got cut. We're going to say, where do we want to see this person fight next? What, what are the options for this person? Yeah. And sometimes I have people, you know, sometimes my writers will pitch me stories and they'll, they'll have a take on something and I don't necessarily agree with it. It's an opinion. And I, but I let them do it because if they believe it, other people probably believe it. And I say, as long as you can back it up and show me some good facts about why you believe this way, let's do it. So nice. there's going to be stuff on the website that has a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say argument, but, you know, debate. And I'm okay with that. You know, if it's not a popular opinion, it does, it's okay with me. Because, like I said, somebody else probably thinks that way, too. Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately... Anything that wins now is something that has people talking, right? Or right. engaged, as they say, right? Yeah. So it's sort and of... There's no shortage of people who love bad opinions. That is a good line. <laughs> That's a good line right there. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, are, your, are, are your opinions all good? Yes. Okay. That's what so, everybody thinks, though. That's why it's so bad. Okay, so I got, right. <laughs> we don't do hot takes, but uh, uh, all right. What do, you think, what do you think about Rory going to PFL? Uh, I haven't even given it. Um, I, I'm i sort of like... That's a great, great yeah. take. Yeah. I just feel, I feel like... I, I mean, I really have no... I, I don't know where to go. I'm just in my brain. I see the photo I saw when I saw the announcement that he was going to PFL. And I was just like, what? And I'm still stuck there and I haven't moved forward yet. But uh, I'm a little bit like, what about it? But at the same time, I also feel like he's he's kind of like... I mean, what are the possibilities at Bellator at this time? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for those, by the way, quick uh, shout out to the listeners who don't know what the hell we're talking about. Uh, Rory McDonald, a sort of long time. He's weird because he's like an old man that's young. Like he's been fighting forever, but yeah. he started so young. Right. Uh, so anyway, he was in the USC for a while, had some legendary fights uh, and was sort of a like psychotic uh, character. Uh, sort of American psycho type of person, then um, Canadian psycho, Canadian psycho, then uh, and trains More with like polite. the best people in the world and all that. Then, then he, uh, I guess, uh, started to kind of have a, I don't know, he had one sort of changing a person type of fight, and then sort of went into uh, a different promotion called Bellator. Then he was in Bellator for a while, uh, and then that seemed to be like his sort of new ground to do new things. And then it's kind of slowly sort of slowed down for him there in whatever ways. And so he just announced he's going to sort of like the, I suppose like the third place. Uh, promotion, if for, for lack of a better term, uh, and so uh, it's a really weird thing to see somebody that is such a premier name and such a premier talent mm-hmm. that can really just like pretty much. I mean, I don't think people even. I feel like he could still beat just about anybody. If yeah. I feel like he's got to get his mind right, and he kind of has had. Yeah. Uh, he's kind mm-hmm. of gone from weird, like being demonic, to kind of uh, you know super. Oh, uh, Jesus. 
Yeah, it's like sort of he's he's got Jesus now. Yeah, uh, and you know, he, I guess in a weird way, he's sort of like a Canadian Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's oh, yeah. Cr- he's like weird Bizarro Sanchez because he's from Canada <laughs> and because he's like so quiet and so unassuming. Yeah. Where Diego's so like talkative <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Diego, I love Diego. Yeah. <laughs> I had like one of my one of the probably the greatest conversation I've ever had with a UFC fighter was talking to Diego Sanchez when they were you, you guys went to this fight that was where i can't remember i think diego fought um clay guida in nashville uh, yeah. is that yeah, right yeah and um uh but and he had just been on ariel's podcast before that and had this long talk because he changed his name right before the fight right he was the nightmare then he became the dream right is yeah that right? yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. think it was the, i think when he had just become the dream <laughs> we had this whole fucking talk at the weigh-ins i mean not the weigh-ins at the open workout <laughs> he you was mean just like hanging out talking yeah, he was just walking okay. through and saying hello to everybody but he, him he like grabbed my hands and i said hey man thank you so much for that interview you gave to to ariel and then and then it was off man we were off and running it was a <laughs> mystical journey it was unbelievable it was the, one of the greatest conversations of my life so god bless diego Oh wow! <laughs> that, 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 your, your energy and the just dream. talking about that—it's actually that's what it sounds like to me. That you're telling me, like, dude, I had this dream. Yeah, where, like, I know. I, I, it was Diego Sanchez. I know. It he sounds t- like he yeah. took my hands. He took my hands. <laughs> he took my hands. He but now they're rabbit hands. <laughs> but now I'm a rabbit. <laughs> So, yeah, have you had any sort of experiences with uh, certain interviews or, or contacts that you've had where you're like, this is a mystical kind of strange moment that people will never understand? Um, yeah, Diego Sanchez. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, no, I'm totally serious. tweeted about it. He did a, um, he did a post-fight interview. I forget what it was. I, I think uh, I'm really bad with numbers, but I think it was somewhere. I think it was maybe it was 241. I don't remember. But he... Um, it was just he went on and on and on and it was like 40 minutes backstage of him just like like talking about nonsense and like mystical things and you know stones and going on this journey (laughs) i wrote a piece where i literally just transcribed the entire thing and i put um the the headline was like you know read diego sanchez's bizarre post-fight interview and he screenshot it and he's like was it bizarre really and and (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. Oh, God, you're <laughs> you know? on his hit list. But I didn't say anything. And I just kind of said, I sent it to a friend. I was like, oh, my God, I'm terrified now. And he ended up deleting it pretty soon, like maybe an hour later. But, <laughs> oh, my God, I thought for sure, like, fans were going to come after me or oh, something. Oh, wow. And that would be. Uh, now I the eye. Yeah, that would be people coming with crosses. Yeah, we're bizarre, we're bizarre with you, Diego, not bizarre at you. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'll say that, like in all seriousness, like his his latest sort of bit. I mean, he's been fighting forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wonder, you know, I know he's had. I've gotten enough cursory sort of glances of like I know he's had maybe some interpersonal things or marriage things or uh-huh. changes in his life or something, but he's a seriously uh, intense, uh, focused person. Uh, yeah, but then when you get into this. Uh, he is like, um, it's so tangential. Um, it actually reminds me of like, like family members that I've, I've seen like in sort of like a, uh, a manic state, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it actually seems clinically, you know, observationally sort of a huge question to me. And I don't know why there's not, maybe there is more conversation about that. I'm just not seeing it. Um, uh, but especially when it has like these sort of, when he's feeding himself with that sort of heavy uh, sort of altruism, like uh, everything is coming together and my, the, the businesses and the, the, whatever his new company that he's involved in is it's some, I, I don't know. Is it like crystals or something? I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's just yeah. a bunch of uh, nutrients, uh, health mm-hmm. wellness, like, uh-huh. you know, he, I, I, I don't remember specifically, but he was saying something, you know, kind of like, I can run 190 miles a day, you know, or something, you know, nothing he does, but you know, it's just sort of like, this, uh, he does. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, in the back of my mind, I, I actually, you know, I feel like a little bit concerned when I see somebody sort of that, that kind of out there, but there's also equally a part of me that just appreciates his, his, uh, appreciation of truth and his mysticism oh, and his yeah. willingness mm. to sort of just unfiltered, like talk about it's kind of like you know yeah. like i'm sure that if i recorded what i was seeing if if i took acid and was like okay i'm just going to talk about everything that i'm thinking right now like i'm sure that i would have a very um not similar but it would be 
it's one of those things where it's like it is through a filter that's maybe a little strange, but it's all based in some truth. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah. This is another one of those both and situations. Yes. <laughs> we run into those, don't we? I yeah. had kind of a bizarre interview with Jorge Masvidal, too, mm. where I couldn't tell if he was joking or being serious about his answers. And so I didn't know how to respond to them. I didn't know if I should laugh or if I should like elaborate. So I just like moved on to the next question. <laughs> so I feel like there's so many unanswered questions that I look back on it and I'm like, I should have asked, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if he wasn't serious, then I would look stupid. So <laughs> it's like being a, on a weird date. Interview. <laughs> it's, it's like being on a weird, uh, awkward first date. Probably a lot of times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, except, uh, well, yeah. I, I, Joe, what was your first date? Like with your wife, my first date with my wife. Oh man. She's going to kill me. His if wife is remember. awesome. Um, shout out to Antonio. You know, the first day of my wife, we just hung out. It was very good. Obviously. Now you got married. <laughs> it was very good, obviously. <laughs> uh, Joe and I both have... In 2020, from 2020 hindsight, it was very good. Yeah, Joe and I both have uh, amazing, amazing wives that people constantly, uh, when they get to know our wives, they look at us with a certain amount of like, really? Like, did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, right? We kind of have like some lottery. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, I feel very lucky. Uh it's a whole That's thing, but it took me, it took me two times though, to get it right. Um, so, you know, that's what happens, right? Yeah. Uh, Joe, that's, you've only been married once. I've only been married the one time, but it took me almost like half a century to get to the point where I was like, no, the situation's good. I should probably try to, I'd probably do this. Right. Like you saw, <laughs> you saw like, you didn't see your age as sort of a, 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 a quickening sort of thing. You just saw the burgeoning of like tes- I just, tender I, and I mumble never, and you're like, I, I got to get out of here. I, I want to make sure never, I'm not in this. Yeah. I don't know. I just never really <laughs> saw any, I just, I was just never inclined to family. And so, uh, so yeah, but then uh, then you start meeting people that you think would be good to be in your family, and then you change your mind. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, that's how it was for me anyway. So, so yeah, so uh, obviously, like your your private life is private, but uh, you know, like I said, I know that that you are a, a mother because you share a lot online in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm curious if your if your if your son is uh, a, a fan, doesn't understand how much do you sort of reveal about sort of the nature of what you're you know fighting and all that like how do you work that he's kind of a little bit of all of that he um well he's 13 so he's old Mm. enough i feel like to watch um he does i so since i work from home i watch a lot of fights at home and you know he'll be in the other room and he'll come in and he'll watch and he'll go who are we cheering for and i have to be like what i just pick somebody randomly you know and he cheers (laughs) But then he does actually have names. Like he, he recognizes names. He, you know, obviously he knows Cyborg um, personally and through TV. And <laughs> yeah. he um, really likes Conor McGregor. And he loves Joe Schilling. Joe Schilling is his his big one. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't, I you know, I'd love with me to fight. I'd take him to LFA one take him to King of the Cage one time. Um but, you know, obviously, if I'm working, I can't take him. But he comes sometimes with me to weigh-ins if they're local. Nice. Weigh-ins, he can fighters. And a lot of the regional fighters he knows. Um, and this upcoming Bellator card, I really, really want to try and get him there. I'm trying to figure out somebody to take him because, you know, Cyborg's on that card. Um, the person I was telling you about that I lived with for a year, he's going to be on that card. Um, another really good friend of ours will be on that card. So it's going to be a lot of people he he recognizes for the first time. And I'd really like to take Is him to watch card? It. No, that's the um, the. Sorry, I, I should have said the upcoming. Not the in January, the oh. cyborg card. In January. Oh, yeah. right. That'll be your yeah, first Bellator card. LA. Is that right? Gosh. Which one? That'll be. I mean, that'll be her first card. First fight on Bellator. Yeah. 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 Man, gosh, yeah. I hope that they can find. Uh, she is she gonna she's gonna fight featherweight there, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, she's fighting for the title. Yeah. So then, is it is it gonna be another thing where like there's nobody left? Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's got to be a weird thing where you're just—it's a good time. You're, you're at the mean. highest level of the game, yeah. and it's been around for a while now. It's imagine like if your favorite basketball team was like, "We don't have anybody else to play." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It I feel like for at least like it, it, I'm gonna find a positive spin to the loss of a man to an Amanda is that 
the mystique of her being unbeatable is, I mean, obviously she's still one of the greatest of all time, but I feel like more people are going to be willing to fight her now because she's been beaten recently. So it's like, there isn't that that fear that people had before where people were like, Oh, no way. You know, I think people will be like, I'm willing to take that gamble, you know? So I think that maybe, maybe they won't be great opponents, but they will be opponents. Yeah, I see. Right. Like the, the, the sort of cursory turn down will not happen as, as much hopefully. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't think people are giving up belts to, to avoid her anymore. Yeah. Talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was talking yeah, yeah I, was, I was very I was like that's that's all I was thinking about a week ago was like that well I was thinking about the other fights too but I kept thinking about like didn't you didn't you run from a fight earlier yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, but but look good against the champ but obviously the champs the champ for a reason right that's that's the way it should work that's how we like it yeah so um <laughs> So, uh, so, RIP Max. God damn. So in 20, like, so you, I called you, you, that, by the way. Say it again. I called that fight, by the way. Uh, like I knew, I knew that Max was not going to win that fight. Mm. Well, do you want to see a rematch or do you want him, do you want him to take another fight before Max gets another chance at it? No, I think you should take another fight. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that to me, even Max was like, like I, I actually was talking to a friend when that was happening and I said, Max is going to come back here and he's going to say I'm injured. And he's going to say, that's why I sucked. No offense, Max. Mm. But that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. And when he came back and was just like, no, I just wasn't the good fighter today. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't need to see that again. I thought he, I really thought he was going to say I'm injured. Uh, and then I really want to see the rematch. But, I, you yeah. know, he was. He just really got out. He got outmatched, you know what I mean? And a, when yeah. a guy who just like figured out how to not let him do his thing. And then in the meantime, kick the fuck out of his leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love how they all say, like, I, the leg kicks didn't really bother me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. Did do. you guys see the interview, by the way, when somebody asked him that, and he said no, that he was fine, and his son was behind him, and his son was like, he's lying. That was the best. <laughs> <laughs> little little <laughs> mini blast was saying he's lying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mini blessed cannot tell a lie. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, he's lying. <laughs> the truth oh. teller. Yeah, I think that um, you know, people like. I feel like I can even from afar. I feel like I have enough in- intuitive uh, observational skills. My, I thought that Max was going to lose. Also, I didn't know that he was going to lose, but I thought that he very well could. Yeah. Because I I feel like you can sense like it's kind of like when Rose Namunas lost hers even though she was winning the whole fight like I I can I feel like I can see it or read it on people that they're exhausted by this whole freaking thing like that they it, it, there's something about it doesn't matter how hungry you are there's no human being that can ritually fight and stay on top of it and take out of class fights and all the other things you know. I just feel like you just burn out. Like you're never gonna be. If anybody would burn out, it's somebody like him, who's yeah. who actually is seemingly incapable of burning out. So he can even go further and farther than most people can. And it's like, man, if that guy's just tired, I would understand. You know what I mean? And I also think, you know, again, I think these uh, these guys from New Zealand, I think that that Jim's got some magic right now, and they're figuring out lots of shit with lots of badasses. Yeah. So <laughs> there's something really going on there, and he's a hell of an athlete, that's for sure. But I would like to see. I would like to see a repeat at some point. I mean, who's Max going to fight now, and who hasn't he already beat? Let's let's refer to our expert here, uh, <laughs> uh, Amy Kaplan, a fan sided. When it comes to matching people, um, you guys are going to hate me, but I actually really would like to see him fight Connor. Mm. Mm. It's not going to happen, but I don't really want Connor to fight anyone ever again. But well, I <laughs> but I but I would love to see him and Max fight again because I think that would be because yeah. I you know as as Connor at his best, which I don't know if we'll ever see again, even if we do see him fight again. Um, uh, Connor at his best versus. Max at his best, like we've never seen anything like that. And I really, right. and I think that it's a bookend too. Yeah. And the fact that yeah. they're in their first fight, in their first fight, it's a decision. And that's when Connor hurts his knee. Right. Is that all? Is that all right? Yeah. So, so in a way that first fight was like, even though Max lost the decision, it was still 
a real contest given what happens after, you know, Connor starts right. knocking people the fuck out two titles, all this stuff, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, whoa, Max went the distance with you and injured you so bad. You had to have a surgery. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe now that he's really come into his own as a fighter, that would be an amazing fight. I would love to see yeah. that, but it'd, be, but it'd yeah. be weird too. Cause they'd have to do it. Like there's no way Connor could get down to, to featherweight no. again, really. No. So they have to do it at a lightweight, I suppose, which yeah. is not that great for Max. Cause we've seen that once already. Yeah. Right. You know, that was a really weird fight too. that Poirier fight, because I was I, it was but it was obvious just right from the start. You're like, oh, shit, he's like a lot bigger. <laughs> it's just like, bam, bam. It's like, oh, man. Oh, no. I, know it's really fight, though. <laughs> I think Max was probably having some of that, too. Yeah. He's just like, what? <laughs> Whoa. This guy is really it's like, big. <laughs> it's like it's like when I was a kid and I just thought like you have this weird age where, you know, you're about 10 and you think I can take my big brother now. But you're right. just you're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, so you can't. Like that. No, I, well, I, don't, I don't hate that fight only because like, I agree, like Connor, whatever. But I, whatever it takes somebody that's worked as, whatever it takes to give Max somebody that's worked as hard as Max, give him that money, give him yeah, that idea. paycheck, yeah. and just let that be. It's almost like, can we just pause the whole meritocracy for a second? I'm all about it. Let's just make a stupid rich fight for this guy to sort oh, yeah, of commemorate it. and memorialize. Like he could yeah. never do anything again, and it's great. He's the stuff of legend. Just give him as much money as he can possibly get, and be done with it. Like I, that's fine, you know. So yeah. that's that's how I look honestly at any Connor fight. Now it's like, like even when he fought uh, Poirier, you know, I was like, that's so cool, man, because I've been following Dustin Poirier for so many years and seeing him come up from, you know. Just such a real, you know, uh, Louisiana working class, mm-hmm. you know, like, give that guy that paycheck, please. Like, that guy's been working his ass off for so long. So, I don't even really, there's something about the lottery ticket of that. Uh, the Connor fight. The yeah. Connor fight. That it actually, I don't even really care about the fight. I just want I just want him to fight, like, Cowboys, another one, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, right. thank you. Like, because I know that. He did a lot of years, man, of fighting three to four times a year for not like the mega uh, check, right? Hell no. And so, and not a piece, you know, so give that guy as much money. Like he's given us all so much, just pay the guy. That's a good point. Yeah. And maybe, uh, you know, do it now before the lawsuits start to catch up with Connor and then. uh, Yeah. Before he goes to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, I mean, it's going to catch up. Something's going to stick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It, and I know there's been a lot of talk in the media lately about sort of the responsibility of talking about that. What are your thoughts on that? Like, it's this tricky thing, right? Because uh, there is just the native truth of what's going on. Uh, but you, everybody I know is probably caught in the middle between sort of you, you're not trying to be a shill for the UFC or something. But it's like, yeah. I, I still would like to have credentials. I don't right. know. Like, how does that work? Maybe I think of it as more mafia from the outside than what it really is. But maybe I'm onto something. <laughs> well, I, to be honest, I mean, I'd hear stories. I, I don't feel scared of writing about anything or saying anything and losing my credential. I do feel scared about like uh, being unprofessional while I'm there, if that makes sense. Like yeah. that, I can definitely, I do feel like, okay, I got to make sure I'm on my best. Fit. Not that I wouldn't anyways, but like, you know, don't take pictures of fighters. Don't make a fool of yourself. Don't, you know, yeah. do your work, do what you're there for, you know, be professional. Um, but I've never felt scared about talking about the truth and maybe it's because I feel like they don't really pay attention to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did, they did somebody, a PR person said something to me the other day about a story that we had done. And I was like, Oh crap, you guys are reading it. <laughs> so they are reading it. <laughs> but, um, it's kind of like when your mom finds your Facebook page in 2009. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I do, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I always put, if there's a story about Connor, I always put one line in there about him being under investigation, allegedly, you know, all this stuff. I make sure there's at least one line. I feel like it has to be there. I don't feel like it needs to be the focus. Um, and I feel like it's pretty well known what my opinion is about the, the issue um, that I don't think he should be until that's resolved. But I also understand that it's hard because I, I feel like I'm a, you know, I'm a feminist and I feel like, I really fight for the rights of women and that, and, and victims of, of, you know, domestic violence and, and sexual assault and all of that. But at the same time, I don't know how realistic it would be to say, don't ever fight in the UFC till it's over because it's not the same kind of laws in, in Ireland. From mm. what I hear, it's, he may never, it may never be resolved. That, mm. that isn't, 
in, in our Ireland, they don't have the same kind of, um, I don't want to, I don't know the right word for it. The same kind of like due diligence that we do here in the United States, not even it's not that great here either, but, but at least we try and resolve things. And yeah. I feel like in, well, from what I've heard in Ireland, they, cases can sit for hour or for, forever and nothing ever comes of it because isn't it's not also, isn't there also some sort of a media um blackout kind of name yeah. withdrawn sort of weird censored thing or whatever i don't know anything about what i'm saying but i just know there's something along those lines that yeah, happens there yeah in ireland they can't reveal the name of somebody accused of sexual crime i don't know what crimes as well but for the, in this case they can't name him as a suspect or as being under investigation for it, which I actually kind of think is kind smart. Of, yeah, yeah. Like, I think we should do that here. Yeah. It would save a lot of trouble. Yeah, a lot uh, of people are losing careers here w- without yeah. any kind of process. And, uh, uh, you know, um, very often they deserve to be in that position. But I'm just right. saying, like, if, if we're a democracy here and, you know, we, yeah. I think that's an unpopular opinion in the, you know, the feminist movement. But I, I do believe that you should be, we should wait till there's an answer. I think um, I think in the case of in the Irish thing, I think it's the thing where it's like you can't they won't you're not allowed to name him in the media until he's actually charged. Is that the where is that where the where it, where you can then may say the name? I think it's I think he has to be convicted. I could oh, be wrong, really? but I think he has to be convicted. Oh, okay. That's pretty you extreme. Be under investigation. So I feel like you would be still under investigation oh. if you're charged. You'd still be still be investigating him. So I don't know. I could be wrong about that. But, well, but I, yeah. I trust you more than I trust I, me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have quite a few friends that live in Ireland. They they all are saying like nothing's ever going to happen. Mm. We're never going to know. Like they I know, don't even believe. There's a they have a terrible rate. I can't remember what it is, but it's only like it's it's in the single digits. The the number right. of of sexual assault crimes that actually get uh, convictions for them or something. Right. Like Almost nobody gets convicted. Exactly. That's what yeah. I read too. So it's like. It's hard because, like, we can't say he's guilty. We don't know. We weren't there. Um, we can assume things about whatever, you know, our ba- our biases or whatever. So when when is it okay to say you can't have a job? Well, you know, until we know if he's guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, when is it? Why can't it just be simply not a matter of huge conversation to say these are the complex looming questions around this person and all of this context provided, right? Uh, You know, and then, you know, I think that where people get in trouble is because they, you know, everything's so clickbaity and headlines and, and so people try to make these sort of slashing kind of, you know, sexy assertions about whatever they feel like they, you know, what they actually don't know, but they're just trying to, uh, in the in the media noise spectacle, they're just trying to appear like they have some new angle on something that they can't have any information about. Uh, right. And unless it's like full on sort of like some sort of like whistleblower uh, situation, barring that, you know, but, you know, I think that, again, like, you know, we've we've talked with a lot of folks from The Athletic and and, uh, and it's great to talk with with you from from Fansided. And, and I really what I love about what's happening right now is that for people like us that we're not like. I mean, we're, we're into this, man. Like we've been, you know, that we got into this whole podcast because of our love of fighting and our love of art and that where, why we feel like those things are uh, overlapped and interesting on some weird Venn diagram. Um, and so we just started doing this, but, um, but I feel like that it's kind of just occurred to us recently that we're sort of just one cost point of constellation on this sort of larger sort of thing that's starting to develop where I think a lot of people are, are conceiving new ideas about media and media products or however you want to put it. And, and there's more, it's almost like because the vegetables are being eaten of like scoreboard stuff, right. And just announcement PR normal stuff like this person got, busted this person is gonna fight this person like great uh i feel like there's a there's a massive uh opportunity in the media space for kind of what you said conversations right so um i really appreciate uh all of the work that that you're doing and and just uh it's been it's been fun to sort of you know quote unquote get to know you right through through the internets and all of that and to see uh it's always just fascinating to me to see what people are doing that are in that world i mean it's kind of like um, a world that I've had a taste of, you know, but uh, it's not anybody. I'm interested in what a plumber's life is. I'm interested in everybody's life, right? I mean, I'm even right. interested in Joe's life, even my life, and uh, <laughs> and, 
And, uh, but anyway, so I just really appreciate what you're doing and your, and your work and, uh, you know, I, I, also for giving us an hour of your time. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, but I, I want to say, uh, for sure that we, we'd love to talk to you again and that everybody yeah. should make sure that they check out Fansided and we'll put the links in the show notes and everything. Um, but cool. we're, we're going to go ahead and cut out now. Uh, Joe, do you cool. have any parting words, uh, for uh, our thanks friend? For, thanks for being on with us. It was, uh, it was super, uh, fun to have you on the show. Where can we find you? Like if people want to follow you online, where should they go? Uh, photo Amy 33 on Instagram and Twitter. Okay, perfect. Photo Amy 33. Photo yeah. Amy 33. The 33 is, uh, is it sounds like With a, my, you want to hear the story? It's really funny. Is it an, is it an, yeah. is it an AIM, like problem. an AOL instant messenger handle? No, no, no. That was Are so many years ago. It was my first. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It was my first boyfriend's jersey number. And he, oh, <laughs> <laughs> So everything was 33, 30. And my best friend still to this day, we will send, you know, when you go to like a restaurant, they give you a number. If it's 33, we send it a picture to <laughs> That's awesome. See, so that's, it's got some magic around it. 33. Yeah. Uh, that was Tony Dorsett's number. Oh, uh, if, you're, if you're into like 1970s football for whatever reason, that's what it was. was in 34? Yeah. No, that was, um, no, no. He was 33 because I had the jersey when I was like eight years old. Uh, what you know is uh, Peyton was 34. Walter Peyton, yeah. yeah. That's true. But anyway, so we're going to go uh, have weird <laughs> sideline conversations about nothing related to this. But in the meantime, again, thank you so much. Um, and uh, we will talk to you again hopefully soon. And, yeah, and we'll make sure to, to get the word out uh, about Fansided and all your great work. So thanks again. Happy holidays, thank Amy. Thank you. Thanks Bye. so much. Bye. <laughs> Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash artfightpodcast, click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast, and once you get there you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level, you're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and, and help us out. Again, anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast. Click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone.